Today my guest is Niall Wall, 10 years CEO of Global Packaging Group Arda SA and now a serial investor in waste, water and energy companies in the UK. I'm delighted to welcome you to the show. Niall, good morning. Uh, nice to have you here. Hi James. Um, what I'd love to do, if you wouldn't mind, just maybe give me a quick overview of your career to date, what you do, who you are, just for sure. the listeners. Sure. Uh, Niall Wall, um, as you kindly introduced me, um, I started my career um, following college, which I didn't complete. Um, that is um, not probably a natural thing to do in today's world, but that's what I did. I started a business with a girlfriend, um, a quail farm. We ran that for a number of years. And I successfully edited it when I was about 30, but managed to make enough money to buy a house without having a mortgage and a little left over to invest in another business. The second business I invested in didn't go quite so well, but I didn't lose any money, but I worked very hard for very little. And then I went into a third business, which was a medical waste business, which was losing a lot of money. And um, it had a contract for all of Ireland, um, a lot of overhead, not enough revenue, and essentially over a period of time, turned that around and we sold it uh, quite well in 2006. Following that, I started into a business which I knew nothing about at all. I arrived on day one as CEO to a company that had 600 million turnover, 4,000 staff in five countries. And um, I had probably an hour's conversation beforehand. Again, this is something that in today's world, I think probably would be impossible to imagine, but this was, believe it or not, only 10 or 12 years ago. That company was Arda. It was a packaging company, uniquely making glass bottles um, for Heineken, whiskey bottles for Diageo, such as Johnny Walker, food products, etc. And during the next 10 year period, we grew that business from a 600 million turnover business to 8 billion and we took our EBDA from 50 million to 1.4 billion. And that was a dynamic roller coaster ride that was great fun, hugely challenging, but very rewarding. So um, I retired as CEO from that business in 2016, but I still remain quite a large shareholder, which sounds very fancy, but it's a large shareholder, is, which is a small shareholding in a very large company. Um, today, um, I am what in modern parlance is described as plural, so I'm involved. Say that in again? Plural. Plural. I love that. Plural, the corporate financiers and recruiters and private equity in London now. So you're either plural or you're essentially focused on one single career as something like a CEO. So I'm a plural chairman. I have a number of executive and non-executive chairmanships and essentially I co-invest with a number of private equity companies. Um, the largest one is a, a business which we bought a division of from DCC. Um, it's an environmental services and waste management company. It's resource recovery. Um, and that business is 28 sites in Ireland and the UK and is really, really interesting. But it's one of about five different companies which I'm involved in, which keeps me busy. Great, that's fascinating and a great, a great overview. Plural, that's a new word for me. I must write it down. It's, I think it's a lovely word, very, very, uh, very new word. It's it, a new word. It was new to me only two weeks ago, <laughs> so I'm using it liberally now. I'm going to write it. How do we spell it? That's very good. Yeah. So it's, that, that's fascinating. And I suppose I know from my own business experiences, there's highs and lows. So 
what about the mistakes you you that that you made or the businesses made and how they presented how did you cope with them and what was and what was kind of the the end of that, I, I was that trying journey? to think about that um in reality the number of mistakes i've made are really just too many to 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 to, to mention certainly them all um and in in the course of any career um people make mistakes on a regular basis. I think the true art is to try to learn something from those mistakes, and the real key is to not repeat the mistakes. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes people do that, and I'm sure I'm guilty of it myself. Probably if I had to single one out, uh, it was a project um, which was a, an implementation of an SAP program, which cost about 15 million euro, I think, and, um, and was, I won't say an unmitigated disaster, but I mean, it just went on and on and it was, uh, it didn't turn out as well as we had expected. And that was probably, if I had to pick one particular one, that was it, I'd say. And why did that happen? What, 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 was, the, what, was, what was missing at the start of that? What Communication, was, obviously, but something was off. Well, what was missing at the start uh, was that it was essentially the implementation of an SAP program taking from one company, which we had operated successfully in for a long, a long time, we did a big acquisition, and which didn't have SAP in it, and we essentially were trying to apply the SAP that worked in the first business to the second business, and there were differences. So, um, and those differences, so, you know, it, as you can imagine, a program of that size, there are project managers, there are SAP specialists, you know, the entire thing. But essentially, I was CEO, so the book stops with you, and so I have to take responsibility for that. Um, which, lucky enough, in the size of business we were in, um, I mean, it wasn't really, it wasn't, it was, I mean, it was a lot of money, but it wasn't, a, it wasn't a real disaster. So it ended up costing probably twice as much and it took twice as long as it should have taken. Well, feeding that forward, if you, if you were to do that again with the knowledge, what, what would, what's the one thing you might do to, to maybe stop that happening again? I'm just curious, the simple things. Oh, quite, quite simply, I was in such a rush to get it done and was probably being overly aggressive. And instead of taking some time and pausing to plan it out properly, I wanted to achieve the goal at warp speed. Okay, so that was pressure of business, pressure from within yourself. Absolutely. And just moving on to that, so now when you're making decisions, mm. is that something that you say, hold on, do you sleep in something or you know, or do you use your gut or, you know, like say a big decision, it could be a life decision or, or, or a business decision. I know you're a, a pluralist. Yes. Uh, and you're investing, so that must be something that you 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 have to kind of work on. It, uh, to to me, it's a combination. Um, you're never going to get everything right. Um, I work on the theory that you get a lot more right than you get wrong, and that probably then overall leads to 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 to, to success in in most instances. Um, but I defy you to sort of for anybody to truthfully answer a question, say that they haven't made any mistakes. Um, but, but people are sometimes very good at just sweeping those mistakes a little under the carpet, and then obviously we all try to put them out of our mind, and that is simply it. And I probably, I, I told you that myself. You you provoked that in me to think about an answer, and I hadn't even thought about that issue for a long time. But applying it to to how I operate today um, is really it's a combination of some decent actual old school 
due diligence, which you know involves numbers, people, business, macro, and then a huge part of it comes down to actually the chemistry the, and the and the people who you're it's the human stuff. The human stuff. Who are you doing business with? So, and I used to always say this to my team in in Ardan when I left Ardan. Um, we had 26,000 people in 28 countries and um, uh, and it was a big organization. And um, But what I would say to the team was that we could have huge amount of capital investment and poor management and we, would have a, we wouldn't have a good outcome. Whereas we could run a business tightly without so much capital investment with a very strong management team and have actually quite a decent success. So to me, it's actually all about the people, for sure. And would you have advisors around you or people in the business that to go to who just the common sense people who, who can say, no, I'll just, 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 just slow down a bit here. This is my view on it. Did you, did you, did you manage to build a team? Are some of those special people, and they're, and they're very special people. But, but so, so now I actually have this very, very small, it's even two grand a word to say family office. There are you know, two or three part-time people who are all pretty good, but I, I, I would use... Um, uh, certainly outside advisors on a regular basis and in fact normally how I invest now is uh, I co-invest beside private equity and so private equity is always obsessed with using you know deep dives um, private equity explains itself as taking risk and being entrepreneurial but in reality what it does is it tries to minimize the risk and maximize the output and that's I mean that's the application so I I um, I'm able to follow on the coattails of all of that advice, and so that that's excellent because uh, I'm then I've got access to resources which I wouldn't have on my own. So it, it's that's, good. That's interesting. It's funny you were talking about your 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 IT mm. um, um, experience. Um, I know going back to myself in 1997, 98, we we set up a, a, an, an IT recruitment company. We thought we'd kind of diversify out of the finance, and we didn't understand anything about IT, and we got into it, we got a guy to work with us and we were doing reasonably well for six months and then we said, ah, this is just too hard, we couldn't find people, stuff like that. So we closed it down because we couldn't see any future in IT recruitment and IT contracting. Well, how, how we needed those advisors, maybe to think us to sleep on it and to look yeah. again. Uh, it's interesting. So, um, next question for you, I'm just curious. If you go back to your 24-year-old self, what career advice might you give yourself? If any. I would say follow the things that you enjoy, work with people who you like, be ambitious and be output oriented. Um, and uh, I know they're all sort of like very general themes, but I think that's essentially what I would really, really focus on. I wouldn't spend time either working in an environment that I didn't like or enjoy or with people I didn't enjoy working with. And I think they're probably the two really important critical elements. And I don't think anybody will thrive if they don't sort of have those two elements. Um, and they certainly won't excel if they're not happy or if they're working with people who they don't like, irrespective of what the actual role is. I think that goes across more or less all spheres and professions and, and jobs, job descriptions. Is there any specific training now looking back that you might have got a shudder on the Excel course or maybe understood sorry, a bit more at a macro level finance? I'm just curious, RIT, 
So I learned everything on, on I learned everything on the go, and yeah. then managed to go from a business that you know had ten people to you know where I ended up as you know with a business with twenty six thousand people, and so, um, I learned a huge amount over that period of time. But I know a little about a lot, and I don't know a lot about anything. Um, so I, um, really probably the ultimate definition of a generalist. Um, and so. Would I like to know more about the law? I would. Would I like to know more about medicine? I would love to. Would I like to know more about food and nutrition and health? Yes. Would I like to know about banking and accounting? Yes, I would. But I know sufficiently uh, to be able to understand what I'm talking about. And what I don't understand, I'm able to seek help for. Um, and I think that that's probably an important thing, is to realize and recognize what you don't know is as important as actually what you think you're bringing to a table. So that's, your ego must be fairly balanced because, so you put the hand up and say, guys, I'm having a breeze here. Will someone explain to me what you're talking about? Absolutely, that's the hardest thing to do is I would be in a room full of professionals and I would say, look, forgive me, this may be a very silly question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And, um, you know, could you please explain that to me? Rather than sit silently in the room pretending to understand what's going on and then not having a breeze. And have you any, any stories that, that you can share that, that with that question, suddenly it just unlocked something that was kind of, whoa, you know, and it might have brought the business or you a different way in decision making. Just simple stuff. I'm just curious. Um, I can tell you a, a very fearful moment for me was actually um, my first management meeting um, in Arda and we sat around the table doing the introductions and, you know, the CFO was there for 15 years and then the production guy was there for 32 years and um, the head of procurement was there for 21 years and you know and then it came to me and I was there for one day um, and um, I could see all these faces um, looking at me thinking we've got to report to him and um, so the, the size of the challenge for me was then to be able to garner their respect very very quickly um, and actually one of the disarming ways to be able to do that is not pretend that you're going into an environment with all of the answers in fact allow yourself the period of time to say look guys i need your help um and in fact what we're going to do is work collaboratively and we're going to run this business together um and and so i need your help to explain things to me and and once you sort of like quite open about that then people normally will give you absolutely whatever help you like that's it so how long did it take you to crack that so you had to work on the human level using your human skills and building um relationships that were that were that were they were equal rather than and saying well i don't know you need to tell me how because yeah. you, you and, were processing and, and huge, and, huge you know, amount of stuff there i mean i don't want to say uh, that you know put so much on the collaborative thing because it, it, it was hugely important but it's still a business and it still has a hierarchy and decisions need to be made and sometimes those decisions maybe not be maybe the most popular ones uh, and I think probably odd time I brought a perspective that might have been contrarian to the general views. And um, again, um, one of the things that was hugely important was being able to explain why you might make a decision and what you're basing that decision on and then allow it for discussion, um, which was, you know, which I found very, very helpful in terms of being able to um, win people's support for either decisions or directions or strategy or you know whatever needed to be done. Really interesting. Gosh, that's a huge, huge, huge thing you achieved there because you're really you're going in, it's like I use the analogy of that you're you're going into a team that's been working reasonably well 
uh, and you have to, you're a new player, to use the sports analogy, and you're in a very key position. You're kind of like the goalkeeper. <laughs> you yeah. can't let any goals in. Well, I'm, I'm probably, um, to give you context to it, um, when I joined, for instance, Ardan, I'm going to go to that one because it's the largest and probably the most, you know, it's the most important part of my career. Um, Ardan wasn't performing particularly well, so it had a, a, an EBITDA of 48 million on 600 million, so it was sort of like 9 or 10% EBITDA margin, and the capital expenditure of that business is, a, is roughly 8%, so, you know, there's very little cash left over from running the business. Um, and, and essentially, uh, the challenge was to get that EBITDA up to around 20%, which is nearly twice where it was. And so when you're having discussions with people, it's within the context that there is a sense of urgency. There is a need to get things done. We're not doing everything perfectly. And so therefore, there is actually some requirement to change some things. And, um, uh, and it was getting the motivation for people to change. And then I found once people got very motivated to change, they actually then, it began, it be, it be, began to become endemic within a management team or within within the business um, because it will cascade down. So, so some people are able to change and some people aren't. Is that yeah. just the way they're built, do you think? I'm not talking about our dad, by the way, I'm talking about yeah. in general, in your experience. My experience across all the businesses, yeah. so that's exactly yeah. it. And yeah. then sometimes there would be, as I would describe, blockers. Um, and, you know, and my, my philosophy was give somebody a chance um, and it would be, you know, get a chance to, to get on the bus or the bus would run you over. Um, but a single individual was not going to block. And you have to be very clear on your thought process but you also have to be very fair in terms of giving them every opportunity but then there's a point where you just simply have to call it because the organization won't move forward if someone's stopping it moving forward well, if you've got a key thing. person in a key role and they're then undermining the because the, that's normally, it's normally yes. they're, they're blocking not normally it's just that they you know, they'll go further than, than just saying, no, I disagree with that. They'll actually undermine the strategy. And so it's important. And, and that's the same in, in a big business and a small business, I presume. Probably more. Probably All big. businesses. And do you think that is, well, this is probably, I'm not sure it's a good question, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you think it's, is it easier in a larger business because you have more people to look to or in a smaller business where a blocker can be, because you don't have the resources. Yeah, I think it's to, more difficult to do in a smaller business. Yeah, because it's traumatic to that yeah, business. And it, their influence can be much, much greater. And the toxicity of it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And their voice will be much louder. And it's, so they will be heard at a greater volume and their influence will then be greater in a negative sense. And of course, the reverse is untrue. For then you then get the enablers who um, are the doers. And I talked earlier about output. Um, you know, So when you get the ones who are very focused on getting things done, the reverse is also true. In a smaller organization, they can be dramatically impactful. Um, whereas, you know, in a much larger organization, you need to have um, literally a sense of the troops moving to be able to get, you know, very significant change. Yeah, it's interesting. Here's a fun question for you. If you're a 24 year old self, right, again, um, and you're not, you didn't become a businessman. Uh, what would you what, what do you think looking back you'd like to be and I, I use it you could be a mixologist you could be a photographer you could be a professional golfer or is there anything you'd say I wish I was that and why or yeah. it could be that you mentioned medicine earlier I was curious you said God. yeah and I'd love to give you some deeply 
cerebral answer, but you know, probably a premiership footballer of the extreme, or a um, which sounds so facile and shallow, a you know, a modern day very successful influencer and blogger and <laughs> no. Instagrammer. I don't even but have you're Instagram. Plural, but you're a plural person now. So, I am. So, I so am. you're you're nearly there. I like. am. I am plural. Yes, indeed. Uh, uh, you know, something I I've always asked. That I probably just like to be something so far away from what I actually am. That's that, right. That is, that's uh, right. I think being a yeah. mixologist or, or I, I enjoy working with people mm. because the energy from people in all shapes and sizes and every day, and if you look at two thirds of your waking day might be in a working environment and you're meeting all shapes from the taxi driver to someone in the hotel to work or a phone call or on the bus or on the tube and the energy. I think that, that someone who's like a mixologist or someone who's, who's, I suppose, providing a space where people can come in and they get their special drink and they want to know what's in the drink and there's an important knowledge and, they, and then there's a bit of other knowledge passed across yeah. and it's kind of a quasi-relationship just for that moment. Yeah. It's kind of a safe space yeah. and then they move on. Maybe after the third cocktail, maybe not. I'm not sure. Well, but I get that and there's a, there's, to, to me, that leads also, there's something actually quite creative about that as well because, you know, you are then producing something and it takes a number of ingredients, you know, so something again, which I'm absolutely used to, such as art, for instance, I probably would like to be able to, you know, paint or do something like incredible photography. But mm. I'm, unfortunately, I don't have any of those skill sets or talents. Interesting. Um, next question: What qualities, qualities, and people do you look for when you recruit? Um, a basic one for me would be to try to get somebody who is smarter than 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 I am, um, and then in building management teams um, which I'm still quite involved in in a number of the businesses um, so for instance in my life as a pluralist now I um, I specifically have responsibility for recruiting CEOs, CFOs, sometimes changing them out and so I'm quite involved um, uh, at, at that level and um, but at all kind of for all roles I've always worked with the mantra is to try to upgrade people in each row so sometimes for financial reasons that's simply just not possible because a company can't afford people with greater skill sets or greater experience and so but you can do it probably over a period of time on a one by one basis and that is a philosophy which I have always 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 operated on so uh, people who are smarter than um, more experienced than the ones who they're replacing but for me uh, certainly the smarter secondly somebody who can people who can communicate simply so they're able to express their ideas in a um, non-convoluted um, simplistic format that is a, that everybody can understand what it is that they're saying clearly and concisely and then people who are very much focused on the output as opposed to thinking that their input is massively important so or at least balanced and, and then I always say to, to, to anybody I've ever worked with, don't come to me just with problems. Come to me with problems and a number of solutions or potential solutions so you've got an optionality. So um, that is a massively important part to me. So, you know, the, 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 a line in a, in a machine in the factory went down, you know, we can buy a new one, we can put somebody in to repair it, one's going to take this one another, rather than just, sorry, the, the machine's gone down. Or the, <laughs> what, are we, what are we going to do? So um, okay. they're, they're, they, they sound simple, um, but to me, they're the, the most important sort of elements for, for recruiting people. And then, 
I mean, yeah. psychrometrics are now taking every... And do you use them? Do you yes, use we do them? use them. And yeah. how do you find them, if you have the right norms to measure against them? Um, but they're again, helpful. Again, if I take my recent experiences of recruitment, um, it now seems to be the absolute norm, um, that and the suite of other tests. But um, in one or two cases, uh, sorry, in most cases, they've been spot on from a personality trait perspective. And, uh, and then I think there's been maybe one outlier where it just was off. You know, completely off. And why do you think that was? What, what would you think? Thinking back and using your human skills around, what, what was what was was there someone hiding something? Hiding some is the wrong word, but people can present in particular yeah, ways. I think it was interpretation. Uh, it might have been. It might have just been the way the interview went. Might have been. You know, just I think. I think it was. It, it could have been interpretive, or it might have been some subduing of a character trait that maybe somebody had been pointed out beforehand. Did Did you go ahead with the candidate? Yes, no, we did. And, the, and, and how, did, how did it work out? And, the, and it's a CFO of, yeah. a, of, a, of a business who, who essentially what it said was that he could be very autocratic and that he um, had a tendency to be a little arrogant and autocratic. Normally, they would be touch points that you want to avoid okay. very, 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 very strongly um, um, because it can lead to all sorts of behavior that you really don't want anyway and in, 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 in what we what we normally would do is um we would then interview the candidate so we wouldn't say they don't get it so we would bring that we actually challenge the candidate with the feedback. behavior yeah and how, and how did that go in in that conversation is that the spell it yeah, no, well, well, actually in some instances um in most instances actually you know able to be able to actually talk around it and it's about almost about actually placing the idea in somebody's mind as opposed to necessarily trying to so you know it's not like a two and two is four answer it is you need to think about this um and to see how they react and if they react very negatively and defensively then you know definitely they're not you touched it you yeah, touched a nerve, you, you touch nerve and yeah. if they sort of react positively you can take it from there and turns into the evolution of the discussion but normally to get to that stage they're pretty advanced in the in the in the process so you know um uh, it's an important, it's an important facet. But and, and do you have a um, do you have a how do I put this? You have an old school approach on one level in inside you. So I used to have a, or I do have. If in doubt, leave them out. So if I get a scratch or some form of feeling that I'm just, it looks great, but I'm just not happy. This person, I just, I can't explain it. I don't think it'll be right. Do 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 you have that little bit of thing that comes in to you when you? 100% but I normally will get that at the early stages okay yeah so right. they won't get you know the process won't get to such an advanced stage whereby um, if I've had an involvement so the way normally it works um, the way it normally works for me now is that we will have a we will have a, an agency or a, a, a search firm um, do the initial work present it'll be desktop so we'll have cvs um if it's a search they will actually reach out and then they'll give us sort of the basic reports uh then we get weekly updates and then the the list gets narrowed down to a, a short list and then we might meet you know six or seven people who have got the technical skills the experience for the role you know and hit pretty much most of the profile and then the bit uh, which you mentioned really does come in and you know that's why we try to do it always face to face because a lot of these roles are international and the people are international the companies are international so um, it there can be a temptation sometimes to do it by video link it's hard the video is hard because you yeah. don't see you don't smell you don't so we would never appoint anybody without actually having at least two two in-person interviews and 
uh, even if it was only down to two, it would be two with, say, me, whereas they would have had maybe two with fellow directors on the board of the company or owners of, if, if it's a private equity firm. Okay, interesting. Um, workplace stress, mindfulness, we hear people moving jobs every three years. What's your thoughts, opinions of maybe the new way of working or where work will go to in the next 10 years? How for people? Um, I mean, I understand um, that there are new ways of working, but they're probably not that massively different to how they were beforehand, but the, the labelling is somewhat different and maybe the opportunity. So the moving now, there's an opportunity to move, whereas you know, years ago there weren't so many roles and the, the ability to be mobile was probably a bit restricted. Um, but I, I mentioned it earlier in our discussion that I feel working with people who you like in an organisation that you that you like, doing something that you believe in, that they're the really, really key mattresses to be successful, but also to be fulfilled. So, you know, the idea of moving roles, why not move if you're unhappy? I mean, I think ultimately, you know, we obviously work to provide an income and to have a career, and that's very, very important. But we shouldn't lose sense of the... Um, the importance of the amount of time we, we we spend at work, thinking about work, being involved in work. And even though we can work all very mobile now with smartphones and uh, iPads and laptops and, you know, fact of the matter is, is that actually, whilst we may not be in the office, we're often spending a lot of time on work. That's really because you're on. Yeah, because you're on. And in most instances, in reality, you're actually contactable and, you know, you're probably reading your emails um, um you know, quite some social hours and at weekends, etc. So you are really on a lot. So I think it's I think it is very important. I wouldn't worry about the number of moves. Now if somebody moves a career ten times, I think you've got to ask the question then is it ten organizations that you couldn't get on with? You know, then mm. you will be wondering about this person, you know, but you personality. Move, but you might perhaps move three times. I think that, that would be sort of that would be that would be fine. And also ten times with a very short period of time is, you know, you've got to give something an opportunity and a chance. So, you know, do, do people that make those decisions too quickly and come to that conclusion without maybe per, perhaps making so much of an effort themselves? And I think that's an important topic, is that people themselves, there is an onus on them to be givers as well as takers. So, you know, in the world now whereby, um, you know, probably the balance is, if you take an Irish context anyway, the balance is probably on... Um, on candidates rather than recruiters, um, I think it's important just to make sure that it is that people take a balanced approach to it, that they also have to bring something to the table. That's true. And I know we talked bef- before we went online, it was about people's expectations, maybe young professionals leaving, say, the you know, the, the, the magic circle firms law or the, the kind of the big the big five that they're coming in and they're asked to do accounting jobs and they want to do corporate finance or structured finance or whatever finance and they probably have to learn to dig a few trenches first again from your own experience over the type of of people that have young professionals come on board that and how they've how they've risen and why you've promoted them what sort of qualities do they have again i go back i go down to the the sort of the output orientation um that they are actually doers so you know you can get those who are great philosophers and great strategists but actually you've got to have a strategy and then you've got to have execution. So, you know, there are the people who actually enable and get things done. They normally then are the people who also influence their, their either colleagues, teammates, um, 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 people who are higher in an organization or people or their, or their reports. And they're able to, 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 to really 
harness and get things done. And I think that that is vitally important. That's great. Niall Wall, thank you very much for coming to talk to us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Career Scoop, brought to you by Elevate Career Advice and Elevate Executive Selection, Dublin and Bermuda. I'm James Fitzsimons, and I hope you've enjoyed listening. Next week, we'll be talking with Cathy Bryce, who leads AIB's Corporate International Investment Banking and Business Banking Activities and a member of the Executive Management Committee of the Bank. Hope to see you there.